On today's episode, Dave interviews Andrew Alexander. Andrew is a producer on SCTV, and he's co-owner of The Second City. I'm Ian Foley, and this is ADD Comedy. And how much commuting are you doing? Uh, I, I do quite a bit, you know, a couple times a week, a month, you know, uh-huh. back and forth. We just start. There's no like, hey, I'm here. Oh, we're on. You. We're just on. We're done. We're on. Yeah, we're done. We're done. And, and see. <laughs> um, are you enjoying the, the commute there? Uh, yeah, I don't mind it. it. To me, it's just, you know, it's, a, it's like taking a bus. Right. You know, but, you, uh, but it's also, I think about where you're going and what you're doing and how exciting that is, the things that you're doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Excuse me. That's okay. Um, you know how many people right now probably heard that and it's recorded and they're, they're all checking. Ding, ding, ding. They're checking their own thing going, well, oh, um, I was on the show. No, I mean, I, I, you know, fortunately I'm now sort of taking a little, I'd say slowing down a lot. You know, I mean, I've got a lot of great people in Chicago, mm-hmm. you know, running things. So I'm kind of just more or less now just kind of keeping an overview of mm-hmm. the company, you know. What does that feel like? Uh, you know, it has moments of uh, uh, a lot of sh- you know of stress, like anything. But most overall, I'm very pleased where we are right now. You know? uh-huh. I think the company's really, in the last t- ten years, really taken a a great leap forward. It really know? has. You know, and it's uh, it feels more settled, and you know, I think people are maturing, and there's sort of different roles that you know people have been around the company for a while and finally nurtured, you know, m- matured. So yeah, and you you really you don't you don't have tight reins. I don't. I've never. I've never always that. given a certain amount of latitude. You know, I kind of, you know, I set the table. I think, mm-hmm. and then you know, I let people do what they've been hired to do, or you know, what they're good at. Uh huh. You know, and that's always been my. It was my philosophy when I was doing SCTV was to keep a very you know get the best people in the room right and let them do what they do and you know and that was a. A unique experience, which I think kind of really taught me how to run the company, and most companies don't operate this way. You know, where there's kind of a team approach. Right. It's collaboration. It's so colla- it's totally so ingrained. To- totally collaborative, and right. you know, to run a TV show where you've really got the artists or the producers, uh-huh. you know, is heresy. And, it, and there are times when it was hard to manage, and you right. know, particularly as the show got bigger and it got on NBC, right? And you know, you got bigger budgets. You know, it's a little harder to manage, but you know, the truth was that it, you know, it just brought out some brilliant comedy in some he of the. He changed. He really changed the face. You and and I mean, you at the helm and being the producer of that changed the face of, of what, of what. I don't know. I don't mean to be so high. It seems like just so much, but I look at Ernie Kovacs, the Ernie Kovacs uh-huh. show, mm-hmm. and I compare it to what you did on on SCTV. Right. The idea that that. Of the world of possibilities, what you can do with television, mm-hmm. and Definitely. how if you set it up, people are going to jump all over it. Yeah, and it it was, you know, doing it in Canada, I think, gave it a perspective that was kind of unique as well, because you know there was we're sort of out of the, it wasn't New York and it wasn't Los Angeles, so it was kind of you got to view the world, you know, through a different lens. Right, and I think that really helped, you know, and there wasn't sort of any distractions. Right, you know, and there was there was a period of time when we did the show actually in Edmonton, which was in the middle of nowhere, really, you mm-hmm. know, in far western Canada, and you know the sun would go down at two o'clock in the afternoon, and would, the studio was under uh, was like a bunker; it was kind of a below ground, so it was really, you know, that was twenty four seven. Right, and it, I think it created a certain environment that was also very high. some of the best shows actually came out of that we did in Edmonton. I, th- I think that uh, I just read this book uh, um, this year called Imagine by uh, Jonah Jonah Lair, I want to say, and uh, there's certain things that happen with that book, and you can't get it anymore. But one of the things that I really love was in this book it said when you pull people outside of the geographic comfort zone that they're living in, and then they're just there to look at each other and to work at each other, that's the work that comes out. That's when people. You can either go crazy, yeah. or you can just say, you know what? We're, there's going to be a time where we're going to uh, run through everything that we know, and then we're going to have to come up with the creative stuff after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that that's in that sense. I think I agree with that. I mean, I think that the, again, you know, they were solely focused on the work. There was no even no very few social distractions. Right. Maybe. Exactly. So you know, I think that happens on movie sets that are isolated. You know, where they're you know done in 
remote countries or remote settings, you know, where people mm -hmm. just really are focused on the work. Um, so, you know, um, but it was a unique experience. I mean, that uh, it's interesting, yeah, early Saturday Night Live, you think back on that show, and that, that cast had, a, I think, a much heavier involvement in how the direction of the show and, you know, you know people like Danny Aykroyd were so actively involved with the writing and, mm -hmm. you know, they were like, they, you know, they had bunks in there, you know, they used to sleep at SNL, right. you know, so there was a, such right. a, a perspective, I think, that, that so it was, that we had that in common, I think, there was such a dedication and, you know, um, that I think they, there's a reason why those particular shows in those early days of SNL were so, you, you know, special. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it changed, so it seemed to, to evolve and now it's a machine, and I get it, I get it. And I laugh at that show, and I like the show, and I like the people on that show, and I'm really proud of all the Second City people that have been on that show. Because, what do you think of that? Like, all the people, like, like how... Well, something you just said, too, though, and one thing I've always, and I know why they do it, but I always, and, the, you know, I understand Lauren decided after the first cast left, you know, and then he left, I, right. I, don't, I think he never wanted to be put in a position where, you know, if seven people left, I'm left without a show. Right. So that's why the show expanded to, you know, what is it, 15 or 16 people yes. at a given time? Yeah. And, and I think that tears. it's very hard, though, for an audience, you know, I mean, it's to, you know, relate to or, you know, get endeared to a character or a cast member. It's more difficult, you know, and mm -hmm. I think it's more difficult for a cast member to break out now, you know, uh, because of the size of the cast. But... Um, yeah, you don't, you don't, well... I look at Jason Sudeikis and I look what, you know, at Second City alumni, Jason Sudeikis, and I look at what he's doing, and that seems to be the way that people break out now, that the actors break out now. Mm -hmm. They break out in smaller parts uh, in connection with uh, Broadway Video. Isn't that Broadway? Broadway Video. Broadway Video with his, you know, maybe working with his company uh -huh. and then start to unfold out of that and evolve from that. And Jason's work is just so... It's really great, yeah. but I, I have a feeling that these people that are going to be working that are that are breaking out now, I think they're gonna, their career is going to have legs, more longevity. Yeah, I mean, there seems it's also how these the mafias starts, right? Each each there's each generation seems to have its, you know, you've got the Judd Apatow mafia, right? right. And all, a lot of the actors that he uses, and there's sort of I think there's a kind of a, a group, you know, with Jason and the, the group from Hall Pass, and right. I can't remember all the actors' names, but there's sort of a, another mob. Well, also Christopher Guest mob. Christopher well. Guest mob, right? There's sort of just how, you know, if it's there's these connections that start and they sort of continue on working together, and they have, and those those movies all have a or projects all seem to have a certain sensibility and right. yeah, it's um, so yeah. I think Jason's definitely. Using him as a good example of longevity for sure. He's a good actor. He's a really good actor. Very good. But actor. all the Second City, so many of the Second City people are great actors. They're really, really strong. There's there's a confidence that people have, and I think it. And and Tim Tim who was just here, he kept bringing up, and we all keep bringing up all the examples of why we're successful in what it is that we do, and it all leads back to Second City. The idea of knowing how to be on the road, knowing how to deal with people, knowing how to deal with audiences, knowing how to deal with cast members, knowing how to deal with the creative process, making the creative process, living the creative process, dealing with failure, dealing with success, mm -hmm. um, how all that works. Mm -hmm. And it's because, and I'm not blowing smoke up your skirt because you're not wearing a skirt and there's no need for me to do that. But How it's do you know I'm not? I, I, I don't know. Cameras. Everybody who's wearing a skirt, it's more chiffon <laughs> and it's, it's taffeta. Taffeta and chiffon... I, Two things that shouldn't go together, but you 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 pull it off. Um, it's all of that, and it's because it's because of that hands-off approach. I think it's like the idea of finding your voice. Yes, definitely. Yeah, I mean, all the things you just described are very unique to Second City, and I think why Second City actor writers have such an edge, you know, is because they've got. And you also, and you know this, the, the, just the mere fact that you're doing eight shows a week for maybe two or three years consistently, where do you get that, and create your own material, where do you get that, I mean, even the UCB people and other people, different, you know, um, other venues or uh, groups don't get that kind of consistency. No, and, you know, or get paid. No, get paid. And so this, you know, there's such a fundamental you know, for, to, be, to, for, to get the reps mm -hmm. is how you get good. Right. 
and all those other things you just talked about, dynamic of group, being on tour, having to deal with other people, you know, is all invaluable. But the reps are so important. Right. You just can't help but get better. No, you can't. And, and the idea of somebody saying to you, that was horrible that you just did, uh, do it again. Mm-hmm. And not do it again like, so I'm torturing you. But let's do it again. Let's look at what that element is that, that we loved about whatever it was that you just did. The element of that. And uh, let's keep focusing on that and going on that. And I can't tell you how many scenes that I looked at. I've just I interviewed Colbert, and how many scenes that I've I've done, and I've said, and Colbert and I talked about it, where he said, "We're done with the scene. This scene cannot go any further. Let's just stop working on it." And a director like Tom Janis will say, "No, there's something here." Mm-hmm. And you go, "Okay, Tom, if you mm-hmm. say so," uh-huh. and then there is. Yeah, then you find something. I mean, you 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 know this. I mean that the experience that you had. Once you leave, it's so hard to find that in any other situation, you know, on a movie, you know, working on movies or working in television, you know, find that opportunity where you have so much input and responsibility and control is just, you know, and I think it's, and I think as you get older, I think if you talk to Second City people, they really start appreciating that time. You know, there was, obviously there's always kinds of conflicts with directors and maybe other actors, Mm -hmm. but you know, you look back at it and you say, wow, that was special. And right. I think that's, you know, if you recall the 50th anniversary, there was just this unique experience where everybody was coming back from different decades and to see those people from the early 60s cast all the way up to, you know, the present. It was just, they, and they all speaking the same language. It was like a dream, Andrew. It was a dream. Yeah. It was one of the greatest things that I can say I've ever been part of. Wow. It was, and, I, and, and when I talk to people, because I do talk to a lot of alumni, and I, and I don't know if anybody gets, has the opportunity to, I'm, I'm sure that they have, they, they must have, to say how well you all put that together. Yeah. Because nothing, nothing about it was wrong or untoward mm-hmm. or, 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 or just didn't work out. And the idea of walking through that hallway from ETC to main stage back there and seeing George Went dressed up for, for, for the ER, uh, I'm sorry, Kazarinsky dressed up for the ER yeah. scene, mm-hmm. or those guys dressed up for Cowboys, or to see Carell uh, hanging out with, uh, um, you know, just hanging out and talking and, and everybody just laughing and appreciating everything mm-hmm. that everyone has done. There's nothing there, I don't think there has ever been anything like that. I know I'm sounding hyperbolic, but there's just—it was just one of the most wonderful things I've ever been been part of. Yeah, no, it was very special, and I, I wanted to have it. May, you know, I wanted to have that sort of the seminars. We had all these different seminars mm-hmm. for you know different eras and you know people to give it a sense of group. You know, that was really important, just rather than just putting on one show. And right. we, I was involved with the 25th, you know, and I think that that was a quite a, an event as well, but nothing like this because we ended up doing a TV show, which mm-hmm. I ended up, I think, ended up distracting away from the ethos of group right. because it was, we had to pick some of the more famous Second City alums for the TV show. Right. And I do realize, looking back at that, that, that kind of, you know, it just, it, it was a disconnect, I think, in terms of the, what the weekend, what the 50th really turned out to be, which was all about the group and all about the people that came through and not about, you're not, you're special because we're going to put you over here. There was none of that. It was all no. about everybody was equal. Right, 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 right. And, wh- and while you're talking about that, I'm thinking the difference between commerce and art, that's exactly what happened. The 50th was a celebration for everyone, with everyone, about the art that everyone did. Yes. And when we start focusing it on the commerce aspect of it, then there's an end goal that we've got to work toward as opposed to a celebration of what we've done before right. and the people that are there in that moment. Right, right. Well, that's always the tricky part once commerce gets involved. I would imagine it. And, and for you... <laughs> Again, you up in that beautiful office uh, overlooking Well Street, and to that huge office. You're still in that office, right? Yes, uh huh. Yeah, I am. And and looking, I at think the, so. I think <laughs> you haven't been there in a while. But the idea of all the all all the different factors that all the different pardon me venues that you have. We've got Bizco, and you've got uh, the the touring company. You've got the training center, and you've got the main stage, and you've got the projects that you're doing. Like right now, what you're doing. Mm-hmm. By the time this plays, it'll be gone. But 
but uh, shows like the Christmas show that's at the Kirk Douglas. Kirk Douglas Theater, yeah. Yeah. Um, all that, all those things that you're doing, if you think about it, it, it might be crushing, but you don't think about it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, if you yeah, look yeah. at all those little details about it. Right. And you know what? It's interesting how one thing actually supports the other. I mm -hmm. mean, obviously, the touring company which was started by Joyce Sloan back in, you know, 25, 30 years ago, you know, really it was, its intent was to support, you know, where the talent was going to get their, their experience and to eventually be on a main stage. So it, it was an organic growth, as even BizCo was, you know. I mean, it was kind of a place for people to do work rather than going, you know, that weren't on one of our stages yet to get an income rather than having to go wait tables or something. Right. So, you oh, know, it's so all great. been organic growth. It mm -hmm. hasn't sort of been, you know, sort of plopped on top. So, and I think now that, you know, really understanding that, is, you know, there's there's all kinds of bigger opportunity, more opportunity, mm -hmm. I think. You know, I think that's, uh, now that we're so stable, you know, and that's, that's in, this, and in this world we live a show business, stability is, you know, can be very rare and elusive, you know. So I think we, we have that, and that's unique. What you've also what what you've also fostered is relationships, mm -hmm. and those relationships, uh, the what, you foster relationships, and those relationships are the bedrock. Because again, it talks about community and collaboration and connection with each other, right. and those relationships. My God, it's it's what it's all about. Because if I felt like you were going to screw me over, I w I would I would get out as soon as I can, or I I wouldn't express my ideas, or I wouldn't be inspired. But you foster in the the company, and and again you with the company uh, foster and uh, a feeling of inspiration, collaboration, openness, trustingness, all that stuff mm -hmm. that so totally uh, allows creativity and new ways of doing things to, to emerge. Definitely. Uh, you know, I mean, and where we've had a challenge um, is, you know, getting a consistent, you know, foot in the TV industry. And mm -hmm. the film industry is a whole different animal. Um, but TV industry has been difficult because I think of the way we, you know, is, again, coming back to the integrity of what the work is. When you try to fit that into, into what you talked about earlier, commerce, and other decision makers, it becomes very more complex. You know, right. it's a, you, you all of a sudden, and I've done, you know, I've been in and out of LA for many, many years having deals at, you know, Disney and MGM sure. and United Artists. Right. And, ABC? Know, well, I've done oh, shows for ABC, but, yeah. you know, and, and it's always been, when you, and I've always tried to bring in Second City people into the process of trying to develop shows and how, you know, the, I remember a Disney executive saying to me, he said, you know, I really could care less about your process. They were completely disinterested in it because out here it's all about the end product, right. which I get, right. you know, but, you know, the, the, the process is special too, right. you know, and I think, you know, after SCTV went off the air, I thought it was going to be easy to try and go and, well, we'll do something else using a similar approach. And, you know, it's, it's doesn't. It's much more difficult, you know. Do you think that it's because? Do, do you do you think because the ethos of uh, the collaborative ethos? The, the do you think that that that's the issue? Because I don't understand it either. Uh, when I think about all the great work, all the shows that I've gone to see, and 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 how consistently those shows are just so biting and sharp, and you say, and I and I, I think it is that elusive thing of of how come this doesn't work on a as television. Well, it's it's a quicker medium, right? I mean, decisions get ha get made quicker, right. you know. Um, there's um, it's interesting when we use the example of uh, Christopher Guest movies. My, my, you know, and I, you know, I know how Eugene and he operate, and but I do think there's a kind of a, a collaborative um, uh, environment. You know, with those those movies, and even I, my and I don't know Judd Apatow at all, but my suspicion is that the reason why they go to certain people is because they know they're going to get a certain you know collaborative environment on the set, right? right? Whether you go to performers that you feel comfortable with and know you can how you can work with them, and uh, I, the, uh, the word improvise comes to mind. Yes, that's, right. uh, yes. 
Jesus, that's an interesting word. It is an interesting word, and it's, I think it's We're the doing first that. time. I think it's the first time we've used it. Um, but it is that thing where you you do see, and and that the Christopher Guest example is a great example because a show that we do, uh, a main stage show that we do, or a resident company show that we do, is really tied in like that. The characters are strong, and mm-hmm. we've got things that come back, and the stories are are, are really strong, and. If anything, it would be more filmic than it would be television because what you're saying is television does is that boom boom has to be has to be has to be every every moment of it. But the the idea of people opening themselves up to the creative process is just it's vital. Right. Well, and I think the successful shows, you know, I mean, I think they probably were like that. You know, the excess, uh, you, you know, uh, Seinfeld more. You know the ensembles that just were really strong. You know, and I think that they they those evolved, right? I mean, you right. know, it took time, but they once they hit it, you know, and you know, obviously the writing was brilliant, mm-hmm. but you know, there was the, the sense of ensemble truly came through the TV set, right? With some of those classics, you know, right? Um, and you go all the way back to show of shows, same thing, uh, including you know. the the writing on that, yes. not just the people that are in front of the camera, but the people yeah. behind the camera, and understanding the gestalt of the, all that, yeah. like how everybody just dealt with each other. But it's out here too. I think our people have. Yeah, I think our people come out here first because they. I think their ambition is to perform. Right. And then sometimes that might hit some roadblocks, and then the writing, you know, uh, um, flagpole comes up. Right. And they say, "Wait a second, I can do that." You right. Know? And you know, and I, I wish actually when people come out here, they would they would embrace that quicker because I do think that way you can get control faster. I've always been told that people say you want to get control, you got to write. You yes. want to get control, you got to take the produ- producing yeah. end of things. But everybody needs to go through the process that they're going to go through. And I think that what what I wish somebody would say was this: where the moment that I crossed over into Los Angeles County, they would say. Um, what you think is going to happen is not going to happen. Mm-hmm. What is going to happen is going to be great, mm. but it's not the image that you have. Right. And please, please, for your own sake and the people that are around you that love you, uh, be open toward that next thing that you that might come that will come toward you. Right. Right. Because yeah. certainly you never thought that this is where you would be. No. <laughs> no. I mean, I had a very misspent. Youth, you know, I mean, but was I, it really misspent or was it spent? Well, in, you know, it just it no, didn't it match mis- what you're doing now. No, I you know I was very fortunate in that, you know, I kind of goofed around in my 20s and mm-hmm. then, uh, you know, Second City kind of um, didn't fall in my lap, but you know, I got to know Bernie and, jo- and Joyce, and I was living in Toronto and they'd open up a place and I said, Oh, I think I can make it at work, and I got the rights, and, right? You know, and that, you know. F- you know, I don't know if I was in, I guess I was in the right place at the right time. Yeah. Whereas that luck thing, you know, we all talk about in the entertainment industry, there's this equation of luck, which is true. You can be very skilled as a performer, as a writer, but it's also just matching that up with an opportunity that just happens to come your way. Well, you also bring that opportunity your way as well. Yeah. You yes, know, it's true. not like somebody yeah, comes you out can't of stay. outer space and just lands on your house and you, you goes, do this. You can't stay under the bed. No, you can't stay under the bed. But even people that are staying under the bed, they're on the path that they're going to be on. And yeah. something's going to come up, which is going to get them out yeah, of underneath yeah. the bed. Yeah. But you got under, you, you were never in the bed. You know what I mean? What I mean by saying that is you were never underneath the bed. You kept opening yourself up toward this is going... You did what yeah, you wanted to do. I did, and it was also, uh, you know, it's interesting with SCTV, using that as an, an example, that was actually started out as a defensive mechanism for me because I had a great cast. It was John Candy, Eugene Levy, Joe Flaherty, Catherine O'Hara, Gilda Radner, people like that in mm-hmm. my first company. And then when SNL happened, I thought, oh my God, you know, they're going to take my great cast. Excuse me, Gilda had already left because she went to SNL and so did Danny. Mm-hmm, right, but that was John and Eugene and Catherine and that whole group. Right. I thought, oh my God, what am I doing? And Bernie had always been pushing me to Bernie Salmons, who owns Chicago right. back in those days. You know, it kept pushing me. We should do a TV show in Canada. And I finally said, yes, we now we should. Right, right, you know? right, right. Right, because you were afraid of those I thought my, I, I was literally protecting what I had, which right. was, you know... My two hundred and fifty dollars a week that I was able to generate as income <laughs> out of out of the theater, and you know, and then 
I thought, oh my God, you know, I, I have, a, I'm going to lose that. And ABC or another network's going to say, Saturday Night Live looks like it's successful. Let's replicate that, and we'll go to the place where they got that talent pool. Right. So that's where that all, you know. But so it's yeah, it's it's interesting. But once that started, you know, then once I what started? Uh, SCTV. Then uh-huh. I really started, you know, I really started understanding, you know, the the what made Second City tick, I think. And um, I knew my, I, I knew what I didn't know, which was a lot. Right. You know, and a lot was, you know, a lot of mistakes were made, but I just knew enough not to interfere too much with, and I think that's the, the key of success of Second City too, is not to interfere. And I don't think we, we can ever be accused of that. Even the, we've got more producers working in Second City than we ever have, but we really stay, you know, you give, you know, uh, soft notes occasionally, but nothing that's in, interfering with that work. You know, it no. is the shows is that group, right? You know, and right. It, it is what it is, and we are not going to interfere with that. And you know, and that's I think that's as producers, and as you know, and I think I've emanated that to the people that now work there on a day to day. You know, I think they agree, and you know, it's the greatest thing. The idea that that because uh, I remember when we were starting the uh, the Metroform, which became the Annoyance Theater, we would get on. We I would steal. Uh, I was working at a, I was working at uh, as a graphic artist, and I would uh, I, I would steal printing materials and print up flyers, and we would buy a a CTA pass. And we go up on on the, the the platform and just hand out flyers to people getting mm-hmm. off the the, uh, the the CTA the train and that's how we started to get people and then to go to Second City and just go look we got your back we're going to do this you do that and you be you and we're going to take care of everything else and it, that is a life changer yes and I'm always surprised and I don't know if this ever comes to you but I'm always surprised when people are bitter. When they leave? When actors are bitter, when, at any point where I remember coming into the touring company and somebody was bitter, and I was thinking, what are you bitter about? Why are you upset? But everybody's going to be upset for whatever reason they're going to be upset about. Well, everybody comes to, you know, with their own stuff, you know, whether it being working at Second City you know, or working in a shoe factory or working, you know, they bring their stuff, right? And right. whatever that angst is, it's... And it gets maybe in, in the entertainment world or what we do, it gets magnified somewhat, you know, because you're giving an allowance for drama or right. personality quirks. Uh, but, you know, yeah, it, it's a shame that that, because that you, eventually that can, unless you're extraordinarily talented, that can eventually work against you. It really seems in, like it works against In the you. group ethic. Well, everybody really feels that way. And anytime somebody stands out, or you feel like you've got an agenda that doesn't have anything to do with me at all. Mm-hmm. When we, when I sense that, I'm like, "What are you doing? Why? Mm-hmm. Wait, all, all of us are going in this direction, and you're going in that direction, and that shocks me. Yeah, that's always been shocking. To me. Yeah. Well, as some of those people now making hundreds of millions of dollars know. that you know. <laughs> oh yeah, right. But at the same time, I do look at certain people, and I think you have been collaborative the entire time, and there's without. I feel like there are certain people that have been collaborative, that hung on to people, that can, that understood the relationship and connection. The fact that Tina was working with Jack McBrayer and working with Scott Adsit and and um, and was had Kay Cannon there for a while and Rachel Hamilton there for a while. All these Second City alumni, mm-hmm. um, because people know that these people can work with these people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, and she's a special. She's unique. I mean, it's interesting that whole era. You know, I mean, you work with. You know Colbert and and Steve, well Corral, mm-hmm. right? Both of them, and there's just a, there's something about that this that this current generation, that generation going forward, that is seems to be much easier to deal with. I mean, the genera- this generation or that generation? Well, that both both. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, it kind of started with that. Gr- I think that era. I mean, you go back before with the Farleys and even Tim would probably. You know, and Dave in his darkest moments, Pasquese. Right. You know, there was a lot of substance abuse going on. Right. You know, right through back. You know, I mean, you go back to the Belushi days and Dell, and you know, just a lot of drama and a lot of, <laughs> you know, a lot of issues going on with you know abuse, drug abuse. Right. So you know, I think that the the, the the equation has changed. There's not a lot of that around. No. No, and that's really interesting. Families more family orientated. You know, I think more of a you know, understanding that this is a business right. as well. You right. know, your career is a business. 
God, we were just talking about that very same thing. Your career is a business. Yeah. And your career is a business. And your, your career is a business that's predicated on your being allowed to do what this is that you're doing. Right. Or encouraged to do that. Mm -hmm. So you've got to be responsible for that as well. Mm -hmm. And I think that, that a major thing for me was I remember the first time I hit, the first time I was on the main stage, the very first time that I stepped onto that main stage. And it was, uh, I was understudying for the touring company and the touring company on a Monday night asked me to be, said, asked me to join them on stage and I was r really nervous. And I got up there and I was doing, a, I was stalling in between two scenes, doing a stall. And I said, this is my first time up here. How am I doing? <laughs> and the audience went, somebody shouted out, we love you. And I thought, are you kidding me? Wow. This is great. That felt this good. is great. It felt good, but it felt good. And what happened at that moment was I took the, the blinkers off of my eyes and I opened myself up and said, look at this place. This theater has allowed me to be here at this moment that is such a seminal moment that I will never, ever forget in my entire life mm -hmm. and opened me up also to the idea that I just got to be nice. Mm -hmm. I just got to be nice. Well, yeah, the audience picks up on those things very subtly. You know, there are... They do, you know, the performers that, that, you know, if there's a real meanness, you know, they're going to pick up on it and they're going to react to it, you know. Right. I mean, um, but you know, again, I think in the in the ensemble, you know, you, you you that gets vetted out pretty quickly. It certainly does. You know, you know, I think either you're going to end up doing one or two shows and that's it, and you're out. Right. You know, but I, you know, coming back to the uh, drug and alcohol abuse stuff, I think it was such a. It's interesting, in the SNL days, the SCTV group were, they're all the same age and same generations. The New York thing, I think, just put so much pressure, you know, that you were, it's more accessible. In Canada, it was more, we're going to start families, and it was a completely, you know, different... <laughs> the culture. Yeah, it was culturally. Yeah, know? all culture. But, you know, it became, I think as we all got more educated about, you know, drugs and alcohol and, you know, what, what you know, that we, you know, I mean, we used to give the, I don't know if you were around for the days that we used to give booze away free. You could go and... Oh, yeah, yeah. I would go in the back bar. Yeah. I'd so, go in the back know, bar and just like grab a glass and like pour it. And people go, what's going on? Nobody go, what's happening? We and, were amazing enablers, you know. Oh, amazing enablers. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I think that we, after Chris died, I think we realized, you know, we've got to change our ways. I remember Joyce saying, how many of us have to die before we make any changes going on here? Yeah. A major thing for me, and I know that this is a, a, a part, for, uh, I, I remember bumping into you soon after this happened, was when John Candy died. Yes. And that was, that seemed to change how things went over there as well. Am I just imagining that, or do you? I think so. I mean, that was, uh, you know, John wasn't, it wasn't, you know, John. It wasn't was, alcohol. It was, you know, he was just unhealthy, you know. He, right. was, he, had, he was struggling with his weight, mm -hmm. you know, um, and he had heart issues, which he wouldn't, you know, he really didn't take care of, you mm -hmm. know. I mean, he didn't like going to doctors and stuff like that. So I think that that was, you know, but, I, you know, it was obviously... For me, because I knew John really well, it was you know it was it was a real shock. Uh, I think the Chris when Chris passed, I think, which was not that around the same era. Yeah, it time, was. It was that I think that was the one the wake up call where I think we even had changed the alcohol policy. Mm -hmm. You had to pay for your drinks and stuff like that. Right. You know, so there was no more free draft. Boy, when Chris died, but Chris's Chris's stuff was outside of all that because Chris what. Well, Chris wasn't there, and John wasn't there anymore either. But it is uh, we. There was that enabling where it's. This is how. This is how we. This is the culture. The culture is you drink and then you perform and then you drink and you create and drink and all and do all those things. But looking at Farley, boy, that was. It surprised no one, but it saddened everyone. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, it surely didn't. It wasn't a shock. No, no, um, no and when. Um, uh, Jim Fay died. That's another one. Yeah. Where you look at somebody like Jim Fay and say, that guy could have been. Yeah, he was brilliant. He was brilliant. He was, yeah, he was. And nobody knows him. No. Actually, I just saw his sister the other night at uh, with the opening of uh, Dickens. Is it Megan Fay? Megan Fay, yeah. Megan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. She, I loved her, boy. She's I just terrific. had the crush on her. I felt like, oh, I thought, oh, man. I remember looking at her thinking, that's the kind of girl I want. Uh -huh. Good Irish thing. girl. Irish red-haired girl. That's yeah. what I married. <laughs> um, I have the dishes in there from uh, that you gave us for our wedding. 
Um, I still have the dishes. Ah, the dishes. Um, but but looking at all those people, and also the, like the 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 relationships that are 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 found there, the Brian Stack and and uh, Miriam Flynn Miriam and Tolan. those relationships. Miriam Tolan. Miriam Tolan. Pardon me. Miriam Tolan. Oh, the way uh, the people have gotten together and married and then divorced or you know or children and family is amazing. Right. Yeah, I mean it is amazing. Pollination. <laughs> yes, exactly. And how things have how th- uh, is uh, Jen Candy Jen. Jennifer just got married. She just got married. Uh-huh. And is she doing anything with Second City? Uh, not right now, no. I think she's, um, I'm not exactly sure what she's planning on doing right now. She was working on Jim Belushi's show when he was on at ABC. Right. You know, she was working in production. I'm not exactly sure what she's doing. Right. And do you keep, do you keep in contact with a lot of people? Or I just... try my best, yeah. I mean, there's always, you, you know, um, either a wedding or a funeral or something. But yes, I definitely... You know, uh, keeping the connection with everybody. I mean, the fiftieth for me though was in a, it was so overwhelming because you know I knew so many of those people, and then you, you know, there were hundreds, and you know, trying to, it was uh, I, to me it was kind of a blur. You know, yes. when everybody came back. Yes. That was yes. Pretty extraordinary. It was a blur to me. It was like this 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 hurricane that came in where you turn the corner and there's Martin Short and you turn the corner and there's Catherine O'Hara and you turn the corner and there's you know, like like all all these people. And the, I, when we did the Maya scene and Carell and Colbert hit the stage at that moment, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you've I I've never heard an audience react in that way. I've never heard an audience react with such profound energy and yeah. power. Yeah, it was incredible. That was it. Well, it's an amazing piece too. It is a beautiful piece. You know, it really is. It's a yeah. beautiful piece, and it's uh, somebody was commenting about that today online, where they were talking about uh, the profundity of certain Second City scenes, and that's something really that I'm very proud of as well. The the legacy of the intelligent, political, satirical, but human aspect of what it is that that mm-hmm. that, that occurs over there, mm-hmm. and how that is encouraged in a way that UCB doesn't encourage, right. and that no other place encourages it. Right. Yeah. No. It's it, well. It is again. You know the. I mean, the type of those kind of scenes that you t- the I think are so important too for directors to understand. And you know, the, we're improving the ability for directors and cast people to go back and look at archival scenes by, you know, improving the quality of the video, which 20 years ago was kind of <laughs> pretty rickety. But it was security cameras. Yeah, and things but like we're that. trying to clean right. it up and fix it so that everybody has a chance to see some of those older scenes, and so that there's more accessibility. Mm-hmm. Um, when you say is, people are talking about the touring company and students, you know, there's right. so not many, the public though. Is educating, you know, students now. We have what twelve, thirteen thousand kids. Taking, no, no, thousand. Yeah, I mean, over five terms, there's twelve thousand. <laughs> Some of those are repeats, obviously, but it's like a city. Yeah, it's, a city. it's like a college. Yeah, you know, it's a college. And in Chicago, I mean, it is now. It's part of the fabric of the culture of Chicago. When you think about I/O, and you think about um, annoyance, you know, I mean, it's just such an extraordinary community now of what improvisation is to Chicago. It's, you know, it is the Mecca. It is the Mecca. And uh, it's the Mecca just in theater in general, the idea that you've got Steppenwolf out there, that, that, that's yeah, very there. Well, and the whole theater community in Chicago is unique because I think Chicago is not New York, it's not Los Angeles. It comes back to that sort of the pressure is different. You're there to earn your craft. Right. I think they celebrate that and the audiences understand that and they embrace it. Whereas in your LA is who's in the audience? The agent, the manager. Well, you know, am I going to get a job? Blah blah. Right. And New York is kind of the same too. You know, they don't. You know, so Chicago is that is that unique place where you can be work, learn your craft. Right. So uh, you know, I encourage any actor that's just starting out, and you know, that maybe Chicago is the place to gravitate towards. I think that people do gravitate towards there, and uh, uh, I teach for Steppenwolf out here. And uh, for the Summer Arts, uh, California Summer yeah, yeah. Arts oh. Festival. And the, I can't tell you how many people from there, students from there, have gone to Chicago because they look at it and go, that's the place to, that's the place to fail. Yeah, yeah, it gives you permission there. Yeah, definitely. it gives you permission to fail there. Yeah. And the great thing about that is once you realize, oh, it's just failure, you know, nothing's going to happen to me. I'm just going to fail. That's all. Yeah. I'm just going to fail. Yeah. And that's the, great, that's the great thing about doing Second City scenes is the idea that, that uh, when you're creating a show, you can fail 
and we look at it and the failure is not a failure it's a success, success. in that now we know where not to go yes yeah 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 no it's and that again you know in any in any craft the ability to sort of embrace failure and not be punished for it you know in some way you know i mean right it, there's nothing because you learn so much from failure right you know we all learn you know you know when you from failure you know and sometimes because but because other components will come at you if you do working out here and you you know you fail with a script that you've just submitted you know it's not somebody doesn't like it because of and you're deemed as a failure it's a whole other word out here because <laughs> right. they celebrate failure in a whole other way they love failure love they love success there's right. no middle ground no you know but you but what second city in, a, done in is, a negative way i meant no know, i get it i know. get it i get it uh, what second city has done is they've built failure into the process mm -hmm. failure is built into the system so that you go that's going to happen right and and i think that that's an interesting thing that a lot of people don't realize is uh, that in order for that show that you see, that is such a great show that's going to win accolades, that's going to bring the, the audiences in, well, they're going to come in anyway, that's going to bring audiences in, part of what your job is, is to fuck up. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And your producers that are there, that's in the, the that, that is, um, I'm going to say this, that's in the DNA of them being where it is that they are. They're looking at it, not saying that's failing. That's failing. That's failing. What they're looking at is going. That's on the way to success. Yes. Yeah. Is that right? I know that's a good way of putting it. I mean, I think that you know there are always times when you're, you know, a producer will have a, or even a director to some degree, you know, will have something that a performer is totally in love with, but it's not working the in the in the whole, and they're right. not seeing the whole maybe as clearly as the director or the producer. But, um, you know, and sometimes I'm sure you've been in that situation when you fought for a scene uh, really hard and you can't understand why the director's not understanding you, but, you know, the director's looking at it in a more global sense, right? right? Or a producer is seeing it kind of that way as well. But, you know, again, I come back to what I said earlier. It's just those, those they are very soft lobs from a producer and they're not sort of, you know, I don't kind of, if you can ever recall somebody coming and saying that scene has to go out, Never. No, no. I do recall when I was in Detroit, um, them saying, we, we will not open the show with that title. What was the title? It was during the time that the, uh, that all the, uh, it was a Ford, the Ford cars were exploding or something like that. Oh, the tires uh, on the cars were exploding and okay. nobody knew why. And I wanted the title of the show, directing the show in Detroit, I wanted the title of the show, uh, No Tread on Me. Instead of don't tread on me, no tread on me. And the Illiches came up to our producer Joe Janes, I believe, and said that show will not open with that title. Okay. Because they were, they were, in, they were working with the uh, creating that new stadium across the street from. Yeah, City. and I think that Detroit was. A, there were some really pluses out of the Detroit experience, and I hadn't. I don't recall that specific instance, but I will say. There's a you know a learning curve mm -hmm. of uh, trying to do something outside of Chicago, and I had sort of at that time I was thinking, okay, maybe we can replicate because I had success in Toronto, you know, in certain cities like Detroit, and they build a beautiful theater for us. Beautiful theater. And Cleveland, I think we tried in Las Vegas, and right. and I realized, you know, the the totality of that experience is you can't we can't ever give any kind of power to people outside. You, you know, our, That's a great, uh, the, this, yeah. because it's, you run into those kinds of issues, which they obviously had their own agenda. They were building, if you say they were building a stadium across, and, and I remember a couple of instances like that, but we stood up to it and said, no, this is going to be, there was a scene, I think it was about a, a one of the famous Seuss casters there was a bit of a drunk, uh -huh. and we had a scene in the show about him, and they were very friendly with him, and we they fought us and fought us. We said, no, this is and I think that was kind of the beginning of the end, actually. You know, we were coming near the end of our contract, and, and I think that, 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 that fight over that scene sort of, you know, was for them saying, I think we time for us to leave Second City, and I think we felt. But the great things out of Second City, out of Detroit, were the diversity, you yes. know. And, and the, That's really true. The, 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 the diversity that we got out of Detroit was extraordinary. You know, right. Keegan and... 
know, uh, uh, Antoine McKay. Antoine McKay, and uh, Naima Angela Funk. Shelton, Naima Funk, Angela Shelton. Right. You know, there was just, and, you know, it was actually healthier than what we were, you know, what was happening in Chicago. So, right. um, and I know those people had a bit of a challenge when they came into Chicago, too, you know, that there was a, a sort of resistance to accepting people from the outside. Sure. Um, but, I, when, the show that I directed in Detroit, I loved it. I yeah. loved that show. I loved that cast. That was Mary Beth Monroe, Antoine McKay, right. uh, Kirk Hanley, Mark Warzeka, uh, Keegan, Michael Key, yeah. Cherry Jones. It was just it was just a great cast. And to look at it in, the, <laughs> I think the only scene we had in regard to uh, diversity was uh, Antoine and Keegan wanted to do a scene that was a musical scene about two black Adolf Hitlers living next to each other. And that was the scene, and going, that isn't gonna work, but let's try it anyway. And, um, uh, but everybody was just, I, I, and one of the things about that was, it was that island that we were talking about, that you were talking about in uh, Manitoba? Edmonton, yeah. Edmonton, where it was like Edmonton, where everybody was, you were out there, and this is where we were, and it was in the middle of nowhere. Right. And, and it really helped. Yeah, I, a lot of good work came out of Detroit, and a lot of great, you know, strong performers. And, and I think it really jump-started our diversity sh uh, program in, in in Chicago. Are you still doing that Bronzeville thing? Is that no, no, we're, we were we were gonna we were gonna try and do a smaller, you know, uh, outreach post there with smaller, almost like a sh um, uh, storefront theater, right? You know, to encourage right, right. more diversity, uh -huh. but that didn't work out and. You know, we have a full-time person, Deanna Griffin, who runs the diversity program in Chicago. But she's, she's been at, she's an actress. She was from Detroit. She was from Detroit. Yeah, right. Right. Look at that. Yeah, and you know, it, now you know we've there's a consistent sort of development and you know and diversity. I mean, and the other thing that's changed in Second City, I think, it was, from a producer's perspective, I have uh, um, sort of given a, a, a more complex agenda in casting. You know, gender equality. Right. Uh, you know, diversity, Hispanic or uh, African American. So, for a director, you know, it's part of the casting process. Becomes a little. You know, before it was just. You know, find the funniest six people. Right. And I, I you know, and I, there were times when I know a lot of actors had a lot of problems with that feeling that we were. It was almost um, uh, reverse. Re re yes, reverse discrimination. And I do think, though, that it was so important because you need the point of view. You're living in a city that's 50% African American, right. and you know you. You're, and I recall I was living in L.A. at the uh, and when the riots were going on, and I was I actually flew back to Chicago and I went straight to the theater, and they were struggling with um, and it was I think it was the Michael McCarthy company. They were struggling with how to develop a point of view on the riots, right. and it really it was visceral for me. I realized we have to change this. Yes, you know we really have to you know get you know, and those and I think it's been an important growth for the company to have. I believe it has, and and it, and it has probably beyond, or maybe you do consider this. It's it's growth not just for the company, but it's also growth. It's growth for the company, but it's also growth for the actors within it because now I'm looking at some. I'm looking at as an audience member or as an upcoming actor, I'm looking at those people and saying, I can do that. I yeah. never had a model to do that before. Exactly. Now that's a model. Definitely. And it's also when I'm in that company, I'm working with people who have a point of view that I don't, I don't understand it. Right. I don't know what that is. And so I'm being thrown off in that beautiful way that causes creation. Yes. Yeah. And uh, so it's... You know, it's, I it happened. I'm sorry. It happened with women too. I mean, for me, when I was coming up in Second City, it was four men and two women. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is just ridiculous. Yeah, it is ridiculous. Well, and you did that whole sort of, and the, you know, old timer thought process that you know women aren't, you know, as funny as men. I know. It's just, it's, I know. Or it's just such a, a ludicrous argument. Christopher Hitchens. That was the piece that you know, recently about three years ago that, that got a lot of. I well, mean, Adam Carolla also didn't help uh, when he said that you know he, he he quipped that women weren't funny. Yeah, as well. I mean, it's just such a it's so lame. I mean, you know, I've been around it for at least fifteen more twenty years. I think where we've been gender equal. I know we were in Canada for a long, long time before, maybe even before Chicago. But you know, it's just such a ludicrous, you, you know. Oh my God! And I always—it's you know, my one reg not regret, 
but the one thing, you know, looking back, I mean, when we did SCTV, we just had Andrea and Catherine. Right. You know, and... <laughs> Look at those people. Though. I know, but they're you two know? extraordinarily funny oh ladies. Oh, my God. And oh I know God. it was so difficult on them because it felt like a very male-dominated environment. I mean, most of the... But writing... were they open to... But the men were open to... They, they Did they see parody with those women? They did eventually, yes. But uh -huh. there was a bit of a struggle for them. Mm -hmm. Definitely, you know. I mean, there was... There was a, I do think there was a philosophy... You know, in comedy, that that you know, it's only I think in the last fifteen or twenty years, or maybe fifteen years, where I think there's been a more, you know, then there are more open viewpoint on that. Right. Versus, you know, I mean, the Christopher Hitchens point of view, I think, is becoming a fairly, you know, minority. Yes. Yes. Antiquated, certainly. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I just somebody just asked me to do a uh, to do a, a post uh, on what she calls. Improvisers, mm -hmm. which is uh, improvisers who are feminists, and mm -hmm. and she asked me to, to do something, and I was thinking about, and I just did it this week, and those very same things came up, and I look, and I mentioned Bonnie Hunt, where I first saw Bonnie Hunt, was like, wow, she's taking charge, mm -hmm. and you cannot, she cannot be denied. Mm -hmm. Barb Wallace, she cannot be denied. Jane Morris, she cannot be denied. Looking at those people, and then looking at Tina, and how Tina, when she was doing the show. Um, was it uh, the, the, the show... Uh, with Rachel? With uh, Rachel, that, that show right yeah. there where she came in and saying, country way of doing things, or whatever yeah. that, that scene was, country. Right. And she came in, and she came in blustering, and I remember going, who the hell is that person mm -hmm. that you... She will not be put down. And I think at that moment, men went, oh, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. And I, at the, also another thing was, oh, wait a minute, I don't have to work so hard mm -hmm. if I just share this. Yeah. But it's evolution, you know. It I is. mean, it's evolution. And I do think, though, we've, we were, we mean proactive, and um, you know, and I think it's really helped. I and mean, look, the theater has never been more vital, you know. I mean, it's, you know, I think from a creative point of view, right? You know, and audiences obviously are still coming. I mean, obviously, if we weren't doing work that's um, relevant and and casting that's relevant, you know, uh, the audience would stop coming, I think. Well, the, the fact that the casting needs to be relevant really makes the material relevant. Yes, exactly. Um, and because that's all that Second City is, and I don't mean to reduce it down to this, but it's, it's the power of the voice, and it's the, po the power of the strong point of view, and the strong, relevant, present, fresh, um, at times revolutionary, at times... Um, insulting, if you will, mm -hmm. point of view, where people go, wait, that's wrong, and then laugh about it, mm -hmm. or laugh about it and go, wait, that's wrong. Mm -hmm. Wait, maybe it's not wrong, because mm -hmm. I'm laughing about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Let's end there. Yeah, that was great. That was really great. Very painless. So came over. Thank you for listening to ADD Comedy Podcast. For Dave Rosowski, I'm Ian Foley. For more information on ADD Comedy, you can visit our website at www.theaddcomedytour.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at ADD Comedy Pod. If you're in the Los Angeles area and you're interested in taking a class with Dave, you can find that information at his website at www.davidrosowski.com. Sound services for the ADD Comedy Podcast was brought to you by Post Apocalyptic.